0: Hello, I'm Kyle Corbwell, and this is On the Money, a weekly look how to get the best out of your savings and investments. So this week we're going to be following on from an episode we did a couple of months ago. So in episode forty-three, we looked at the ways in which investors can identify a potential investment trust bargain. In this episode, we're going to explain why investment trusts are out of favour at the moment, reflected by the fact that the average investment trust discount is currently. At its widest level since the global financial crisis. To join me to tackle this topic of why investment trusts are caught up in a storm is Nick Greenwood, who manages the MIGO Opportunities Trust. Nick specializes in hunting for investment trusts on big discounts whose fortunes could improve over time. Nick. Before we delve into the reasons as to why investment trust discounts are so wide at the moment, could you give an overview of whether the discount opportunities are across the entire universe or are in specific areas?
1: It's patchy. There are some areas that aren't affected. I mean, as we'll talk about later, I mean, there's been a bit of a perfect storm, but um, partly that's rising interest rates. There's been a a weird situation where the FTSE 250 has been shorted by some US investors, We've got the ongoing consolidation of the wealth management industry. We've got OCF calculations are slightly odd. And we've got wealth managers selling in response to poor performance. Each of those hits a different part of the sector. And I think we'll probably explore that in more detail later on.
0: And in terms of investment trust premiums, so that's investment companies that where the share price is trading above the net asset value, which is the value of the underlying investments held in the investment trust. There's hardly any at the moment, is there, Nick? I had a quick look before we started chatting and there are a couple of income investment trusts on very small premiums, such as in the global equity income and UK equity income sector. But aside from that, there's not really that many investment companies that are at the moment trading on premiums.
1: No, I mean, there are a few areas. There are trusts such as Migo, the one I run, Rafa, AVI Japan, for example, Capital Gearing which sort of have uh, discount control mechanisms, the genuine premiums, perhaps there's a few equity income, global equity income trusts, like city of London, Lord of Venture, merchants, um, that trade on premiums also sometimes, uh, trust can trade on premium because the the underlying portfolio trades at at an extreme discount. And so activism in Japan is probably an example. Microcaps in the UK is another example, but yes, you're right. Few and far between.
0: So let's go into the reasons as to why there's so many potential investment trust discount opportunities at the moment, and the reasons as to why that average discount figure for investment trusts is around about where it was during the global financial crisis. So one of the main reasons is that interest rates have been rising. So they've been rising since the end of 2021, and this has had impacts in various different ways, but for in terms of investment trusts, it's caused a repricing of all risk assets now the fact that you can get 4 to 5% on cash or you know 4 to 5% on bonds some money's been moving to those sort of safer um, asset classes and that has really impacted a lot of the investment trust universe but particularly the alternative space
1: yeah the alternatives have been hit quite hard i mean that would include renewables song rights shipping these trusts were created to be dividend generators to pay a yield at a time when deposit rates were effectively zero it solves the problem of advisors being asked for an income when there wasn't any income around. The problem is there was a lot of issuance. I mean, there's a massive new issue boom, particularly in 2021. And as you say, you're now suddenly in a situation where you can bar- you can get sort of 5.2% on a short-dated gilt. If you can do that, why would you want to own an in- infrastructure fund, say, on a 5% yield? So really, they have got to yield seven or eight percent which means quite a severe fall in the capital value yeah it's caused a fair amount of disruption and of course an investment trust share price is purely decided by the balance of supply and demand so if you don't have any buyers because they can get the income elsewhere and you've got modest selling the share prices have to keep falling until somebody steps in to buy and that can be a long way below the underlying value of the assets
0: another area out of favor is private equity so in this part of the market There are some scepticism over whether the valuations of private equity companies, the unlisted companies, and those valuations, they're set behind closed doors. So, you know, people, unlike a publicly quoted company, people don't know what the valuation is until it's sort of revealed a few months later by the investment trust. What do you make of this? Has this been overdone or are these concerns justified?
1: I think they were justified or understandable earlier on. I think that obviously the trusts have to be audited and therefore they'll typically have had for December year end will have had you know, big four accountants crawling all over the valuations because obviously they've got to watch their backs. Um, so I think it's less of an issue. I think people are beginning to believe the, the asset values. The big problem is that they are expensive. If they're successful, their OCFs can be, can be very, very high and that makes wealth managers models or other funds extremely difficult to own them because they have to lump those fees on with their underlying fees and their actual fees to create a figure that is, that is just published, but not explained. Therefore, you've got an overhang of advisors' models, for example, who now can't really hold this sort of thing because it just you know, increases the cost of their own products or the theoretical cost of their own products. And I think that's a much bigger issue because that's triggering some selling. And that that's, you know, even the numbers might be small in absolute terms. It's still more than there are buyers. And therefore, share prices, as I said before, just keep falling.
0: And the other point to make with the rising interest rate environment is that with investors being more sort of risk-off, there are certain sectors, for instance, like UK smaller companies, where there's naturally going to be more sellers than buyers, and then the discounts will widen as a result of that, due to the fact that you know some investors are taking risk off the table in this backdrop, and they may be more drawn to safer assets like cash and bonds, especially when the level of income that they're offering has been on the rise. Yeah, I think
1: generally you can say that the the big competition for for investors' savings is deposit rates rather than other equity related products. So I think that's right. Although funnily enough, you know, I think that micro caps in particular have fallen so far that we are seeing one or two trusts um, at, at the smaller end actually trading on a bit of a premium because people recognise that you've you know you've got a, a sort of Russian dollar of discounts in that sort of area where. You've got small caps trading on a big discount to, to large caps and micro caps trading on an even bigger discount to to small caps. And at times you can buy that in a basket of an, in an investment trust basket on a discount of exceeding twenty percent at times. So I think there's been a, a bit of attraction to that and there's been quite a bit of buying and that that's you know, squeezed discounts in and, and actually gone to premiums in one or two cases. So there the discounts are in the underlying portfolio, not in the in the discount of the investment trust, if that makes any sense.
0: You mentioned another driver is the fact that there's been some U.S. hedge fund managers that are currently shorting the 42.50, so they're aiming to profit from the index falling rather than rising. Why are these hedge fund investors shorten the forty two fifty 250 and how is it also impacting, more importantly, investment trusts?
1: Yeah, that was um, back in sort of June and July, and uh, I think these US investors were looking to short the 250, which is the sort of middle index, to to play on a decline in, in the UK. Very often, we will use the 250X investment trust rather than the pure form of it, because 30 of the 250 are investment trusts, you know, you know the, the, the large investment trusts, so... I think it was probably a misunderstanding because if you short the the pure form of the 250, you are shorting things that have no connection with the UK market. So you'd be shorting Vietnam opportunities fund, for example, which is a UK listed investment trust, which is a FTSE 250 constituent in its own right. So, you know, we we got that anecdotally from a couple of brokers and uh, I haven't heard anything on that in the last five or six weeks, but it's, again, it's sort of disruption that gets created in the investment trust market. And that's what we, you know, trust around Migo seeks to exploit.
0: And another factor at play, which has been a trend for a long time now, is the consolidation of the wealth management industry. And as that industry consolidates, then smaller trusts, they just can't invest in them because they become bigger themselves, the wealth managers. What sort of size will stop a wealth manager now buying an investment trust? I I can't afford to rule a thumb. It was 300 million, but it may actually be a lot higher than that now.
1: I think the figure, you know, people will come up with all sorts of different numbers, but I think the one thing we can agree on is that number just keeps rising. And this is an oversimplistic description of it, but, you know, with Investec and Rathbone's merging to create a pot of 100 billion, and if you say in a portfolio you need uh, an investment to be 1% to move the needle, otherwise it's having no effect on your portfolio, that means that with the direction of travel being more and more standardisation, that we can see one day uh, that'll be for that vast pot to... to, um, you know, to, to make a difference, you need to be investing a billion t- pounds at a, at a time. Well, I think Scottish Mortgage, one of the largest trusts, is only worth maybe 10 billion. Um, obviously, it was substantially more not so long ago. So in the longer term, it's difficult to see that these combines can invest in investment trusts at all. That's the direction of travel. I think, you know, my go, the trust I run, is sub one hundred million and and has been off the radar for years. So, you know, we've already been in the wilderness, if you sort of mean, that large trusts or larger trusts are now finding themselves in. And I think the natural buyer of medium small size trusts is a self directed investor. And also we're seeing a lot of new wealth management firms being set up by people leaving the big chains who want to actually advise clients who, you know, who are still investment led, typically running relatively small amounts of money, maybe two or three hundred million. And they're very much users of medium and small size trusts. So it's it's not all bad news.
0: So let's cover off now where you're finding investment trust discount opportunities at the moment. Given the widening of discounts and the fact that the average investment company discount is around the same level it was during the global financial crisis, I'm assuming you're finding plenty of opportunities and you're a bit like a kid in a sweet shop at the moment?
1: Yes, no, it it is. It is quite exciting. Discounts have not really been this wide before, apart from briefly, as you say, in the global financial crisis. And often what you find is that the most explosive periods of performance of funds like MIGO comes in the aftermath of quite wide discounts. So a couple of examples, we look at investment trusts that work on two levels. So a macro top-down view and a special situation. Now, a good example would be Vietnam Opportunities Fund where on a macro basis, Vietnam is a big beneficiary of the trade war between the US and China. Multinationals are hardwired into China, but on new investments, new factories, new distribution, new supply lines, will be in places like vietnam india and mexico because they want to diversify their exposure not have all their eggs in one basket in china and i think that will become an accepted view over time but also the special situation is and why it trades at such a big discount at the moment is that if you go back to 2005 briefly vietnam was one of the hottest investment destinations on the planet and the number of funds that launched then raised insane amounts of money and the legacy of that is that vietnam opportunities is a FTSE 250 stock in its own right uh, which dwarfs demand for vietnamese assets at the moment but as you know as i said before it's a case of when supply and demand move into into equilibrium the discount will disappear and what we'll find over the over the coming months is that that view on on vietnam will gain greater acceptance there'll be more buyers and the boards of that investment well, the board of that investment trust understand the oversupply situation so they're buying back shares for cancellation and reducing supply on a regular basis so there will be a tipping point where that discount narrows. And if you can catch a rising NAV and a narrowing discount, that creates an absolutely explosive return. Another area that is similar, Georgia Capital. It invests, we we do joke that it's a small investment trust that owns a small Eastern European country. Um, and that's not that much of an exaggeration. Now, Georgia is at the natural sweet spot and growing quite sharply. Counterintuitively, it's benefiting from the from the war in Ukraine because a lot of uh, The uh, Russian IT industry prefer to operate out of Tbilisi rather than risk getting called up in Russia. The countries or the economy has just reached the stage where people will go to a pharmacy, will MOT their car, will edge, privately educate their kids. All things that Georgia capital have invested in, but the trust trades on about a 60% discount. The net asset value is over 22 pounds and the shares often trade at around nine or 10 pounds. it's an enormous discount. And it's very difficult, as we've touched on, to generate a following for an investment trust, um, let alone one that's a single country in Eastern Europe and a country that borders on, on Russia, which is with all the instability that that brings. And therefore, the significant investors are the people actually running the, the fund themselves. So I think at some point when they want to extract their money, they won't be selling in the stock market at you know 35 pence in the pound. Um, they'll be unwinding the vehicle and then handing money back to shareholders at the NAV price. That's not imminent. It probably won't happen for two or three years. And Maybe um, they will get a following, which would please us just as well. But, you know, there is a significant uplift out there waiting. And again, it's that combination of the rising NAV, the rising value of the underlying portfolio, and the narrowing discount can, you know, generate quite explosive returns.
0: We spoke about private equity earlier. I know that's an area you have got some exposure to. Have the investment trusts that you invest in, are they relatively new holdings or have you been holding them for quite a long time?
1: No, we've held them for a while. We've held Oakley for three or four years. It's performed extremely well. And we've held NB Private Equity for a few years as well, though they're not um, uh, recent purchases. I think that you know they're trading on extreme discounts. for The reason I said before, that a certain type of investor can't own them anymore. And they need to sell. But once those sellers are, are off the share register, I think that the discounts will narrow quite sharply.
0: And are there any sectors or areas that you'd highlight where the discounts look attractive on face value, but actually you wouldn't go there for a specific reason? I think the sort of
1: areas we avoid, you know, totalitarian economies such as Russia or China. Investing there is a speculation rather than investment because the Chinese, for example, can just change the rules at any moment as they did with education and decided the education companies were no longer allowed to be profitable. But also where there's a large amount of leverage because things can only need to go slightly wrong. And by leverage, I mean corporate borrowing. And then things can unravel quite quickly as we've seen with um, DGI 9, which is an energy transformation stock. And um, as we've seen today with um, song, hypnosis songs, where um, relatively small negative event has caused quite a substantial fall in the share price because they're, they're close to their borrowing limits. My
0: well, thanks to Nick, and thank you for listening to this episode of On The Money. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a rating or a review and follow the show in your podcast app. And if you get a chance, tell a friend about it too. You can join the conversation, ask questions, and tell us what you would like to talk about via email on at ii.co.uk. In the meantime, you can find more information and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interact Investor website at ii.co.uk. See you next week.